I checked. We got halfway through Romans chapter 15, guys. And so uh, Tuesday night, we'll continue on in Romans chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, this morning we're going to take a special New Year's uh, study. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 23. Uh, look at the first 16 verses there. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Richard has some in his hand. I'd love to bring you one so you can follow along with us. Joshua chapter 23, title of my message this morning is Moving Forward in 2018. And uh, before we get to God's Word, I just want to say that I'm excited for what God has for us in 2018. I'm excited because I believe God has got so much uh, for His plan for this coming year that it's simply going to blow our minds. I want to give you an update on our building project that we have. For those of you that don't know, a year ago the Lord laid on our hearts to, uh, we have six acres we had purchased back in 2006 uh, over there behind Sam's Club, right behind um, Hope Community Church and Glendale Christian Church. Um, we bought there and we had planned on building up uh, on the property there. And another church popped up around the corner. One of the other churches put a $5 million expansion in. And the other one is growing and thinking, okay, this isn't a good thing. I mean, we, and they're all three non-denominational churches. And we thought, okay, maybe that's not a good thing. And so um, we felt it would be best to sell. So we had the property appraised. We had a couple offers when we weren't planning on selling it. And so we thought, well, we'll see what happens. We had it appraised. And after a few different offers, uh, we got the full price appraisal for the property that, that we had. And so that was just a, just the Lord was handing that. So we thought, okay, now what? So we started looking around at different properties and stuff. We looked at the storefront on Glenstone and that didn't work out. We looked at, um, you know, a place to rent over here on, on Sunshine and that was something we couldn't afford. And, and we thought, well, you know, what do we do? I mean, we got, we have a parking problem here, but more than that, the children's ministry is just cramped. We don't have enough to, to, to move the children down around there and all we want to do. And so we started looking around, and, and lo and behold, the Lord opened up this uh, two old brick buildings. 500 North National Avenue is the, the property. And so I sent Jacob a picture of it to put up on the screen. And on my camera, I did the panorama view. And it's really nice and pretty. You can see the whole thing. But as it transforms into here, it makes it look like two sheds. And so it's kind of <laughs> shrunk it together. And, and, and uh, it's actually, like this one on the left is really, it's 5,000 square feet on the left. I mean, but, but you can never tell that. It looks like it's about, you know, 20 feet deep. But, um, and at first I didn't want to show you the pictures of this because I thought, man, you guys are going to go, he's nuts. They're nuts. What are they thinking, you know? But I want you to see the vision that God has given us. And I want you to know how God has provided for us in this. Here's a satellite view of the property um, as it once was. And, and I bought a little pointer just to have fun with and show you. Um, these are great. Just don't point them at airplanes, okay? Um, see right here, these, these uh, tanks, because it was a petroleum place, Seiko Petroleum. These tanks were filled with, with well, they were empty, but they were still gasoline that was left in there and and we knew it was going to cost about twenty five thousand to thirty thousand dollars to get them removed and uh god opened up someone that wanted them didn't cost us a dime they took them they they moved it that was awesome um there's this uh, little concrete retaining wall that was around here that um was huge thick we thought it was going to cost us sixty to ninety thousand dollars to remove it cost us nine thousand dollars to remove i mean it was like God is just going, okay, I'm going to work out of this for you. 
Um, this was where the old gas pumps are. That wasn't there anyway. Um, and then all this, um, there's, there's a little loading dock right in there, and there's an old, some concrete there and stuff. And, and so the company we had, they got rid of all of this. Most of all of these, there's still some piles of trees there and stuff. Um, but let me show you that the, um, this is kind of what we want it to look like when it's all done before we get to remodeling. Um, cleaning it all up. This is going to be a little courtyard area right here. We want to put a, a, a wrought iron fence right there so you can't get into it from, from National so it keeps it safe. And then uh, this is going to be the sanctuary. This would be the children's ministry right in here. Obviously, this is all parked. And this is actually a little concrete loading dock that's there that we kind of really like. I mean, it's kind of a neat thing. We can do outside venues and stuff. It should be pretty cool with that. Um, this building right, this part of the building right here is actually a second story that goes up, and, and, but it really isn't a second story. It's just one huge building, and the, the ceiling is really high in there, and it had more petroleum tanks in there, and we had those removed at, at a really good deal for that as well. And uh, my son, you know, had the great idea. He says, let's, that's because it has such a high ceiling, let's put a second level in there, and we'll make it a coffee shop, and we'll call it the upper room coffee shop. And so I thought, man, that's pretty cool. That, that would be great. And so that's the idea for this, this part right here. Um, and, then, uh, and then we had a, 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 I had a, a gal that was working on it, drawing us a floor plan for us to get some preliminaries and, and it's just been taking a little bit too long. And so I kind of took what she had added to it. And so I wanted to show the floor plan a little bit, what we have. Um, as I said, this would be the courtyard area, sanctuary. We're going to have to build a little a foyer area right here to house the bathrooms and, and a nursery for the moms right there. And then this will all be covered, ramp to get in. And this is the classrooms for the kids, worship area, junior high, high school area, and then offices right there. And so... Um, just pretty cool. I mean, we got it. I, I don't think we're going to even, you know, get to it, uh, be in it probably till sometime in 2019, Lord willing. But the reason I, I want to bring that up is, is really, first of all, for you guys to pray. You know, we're told in Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. But the other reason is I want you to know that God has so much more in store for us. Yeah, that's a physical building, but God is moving in the ministries here at, at Calvary Chapel. And, and I know he's got so much more for us in 2018. Uh, we have our, our junior high classes starting right now downstairs. It's awesome. We, uh, which reminds me, the junior high class is meeting in the teacher's resource room. Now, another term for teacher's resource room is where you throw stuff that you don't know what to do with. And so... Um, we took all the stuff out of the teacher's resource room. Uh, we put new file cabinets in. We got things organized. There's a corner of the basement right outside the boiler room that has junk we don't want, we don't need, we have no place for. So there's a few cabinets in there. There's a big old desk that's in there and a little uh, uh, hutch thing that goes on top of that. There's some, some bulletin boards. There's some books that were in our, our lending library that were in there. There's a, a, one of the trees. If you want to take a tree home, fake tree that's there there. Um, I gave first service an opportunity to go down there. There's that, that, if you've been down there, there's this green cabinet that used to be our cassette tapes, so we don't longer use cassette tapes. That's down there, you know. Any of that stuff you want, it's yours. I mean, don't all rush at once. Um, <laughs> lock the doors, guys. Wait, no. Um, but it's down there. If you guys don't want it, then we're just going to get rid of it one way or the other because we just don't have the room for the stuff that's down there. And so... That's down there. But, but 
My point in bringing that up is we've got the junior high ministry going on down, down there. Children's ministry is growing. We have the, the Pakistan ministry. That was new for 2017. There's a picture of the, that. I mean, that goes all the way back, all the way down the street there in Pakistan. I mean, we're ministering some 7,600 miles away worth the Word of God outside of from here, Calvary Chapel, Springfield. It's just, just awesome to me. Then we have the mission trip planned for, for Honduras, as Ed talked about. That's some 1,500 miles away. I think we're really going with our slogan, Calvary Chapel, spreading the word. We're, we're, we're doing it. And, and uh, as well as many other ministries that, that are available for us to get involved with and see what the Lord has for us in 2018. We got the wall builders ministry. We got the, the, the convalescent ministry, the children's ministry, the go team, the, the, you know, maybe God has laid some new ministry on your heart. I like to get involved with that. Man, go for it. Let me know what it is and, and we'll pray about it and go for it. See, my encouragement to all of us this morning is, number one, keep the main thing the main thing. It's Jesus Christ. And then secondly, just, just go for it. We're in the home stretch. I believe the Lord's going to come back. Uh, it could be before this year's over that the Lord returns. So let's go all out. That's my reason for wanting to look at the book of Joshua and, and his last uh, chapters here in the book of Joshua because Joshua gives some encouraging words as they move forward in a new chapter of their lives I think God has some words for us as we move forward into new chapters of our lives as well. And so look now at, at a Joshua chapter 23. Let's read the first 11 verses together, and then we'll get into the study. Chapter 1, it begins with, or verse 1 in chapter 23 begins with, Now it came to pass, a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua was old, advanced in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for the judges and for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. See, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain, to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan, with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight, so you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, and lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you. You shall not make mention of the names of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations, but as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Let's stop there for right now. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time this morning, Lord, to open up your word, to know that you have something to, to speak to our hearts today. Give us ears to receive all that you have for us, Lord. Father, if there's anyone here that is yet to surrender their heart and life to you, we pray that they would wait no longer and they would come to know you today as their Lord and as their Savior. Bless our time together, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me give you a little background here. Many years have passed since Joshua and the people of Israel crossed over the Jordan River into the Promised Land, their land of destiny. Now we know that it took them seven years to fight off the enemies in, uh, that inhabited the land of Canaan at that time. After those seven years, they conquered the land. Then there was another 13 years after which the land was divided up into the various tribes. 
That is the various tribes began to, to take their territory, their possession, and, and then drive out or overcome the remnant of the, their enemies that may be hid in the, in the hills and stuff. Well, the land had been conquered and had been given rest, we're told here in verse 1, for a long time. Now Joshua gathers the leaders together here in chapter 23, the judges and so forth, to give a final word of exhortation to them. And see, first he meets with the leaders in chapter 23, then in chapter 24 he meets with the, with the congregation in, in its entirety. Now we're going to see four things if you're taking notes this morning. Joshua encourages the people and to us, number one, to keep moving forward. Number two, to keep in God's word. Number three, to keep separate from the world. And number four, to keep loving God. Number one, let's keep moving forward. Look at verses one and two. It says, Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua was old, advanced in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. Joshua is old. In fact, he's 110 years old at this time. So when he says he's old, advanced in age, he's old. He's old. I think he's actually just finally accepted what the Lord told him back in, in chapter 13, when the Lord told him, there, you're old, advanced in years. And Joshua says, fine, okay, I'm old. I admit it. But you know what? He's still going strong. In fact, in these last two chapters of the book, they, they deal with Joshua's last words to the people of God, and he's continuing to encourage and instruct and exhort to the very end. I admire that in this man, going strong, not willing to quit, not slowing down, not kicking back, not saying, oh, you know, I'm just going to take it easy now, continuing to want to minister even to the end. I think the Apostle Paul, who, who was the same way, and he writes in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Man, that should be our desire to have that same testimony, to fight the good fight, to finish the race, to keep the faith. I mean, this is so cool. Joshua, 110 years old, and he's still radically involved serving the Lord. What a great example of how it should be. There never comes a time when we need to hang our hat, you know, to our Christian walk. No, physical age should never be an excuse to cease from serving the Lord. I think of many who, who, who left great examples. I think of a man named John Wesley. He's a man who, who really, I mean, served to the end. He was a circuit-riding preacher in the 1700s who, who really traveled some 250,000 miles in his lifetime on horseback, going from town to town, village to village, preaching the gospel. That's 10 times around the world. He wrote 400 books, preached 40,000 sermons. He, he, he became a self-taught scholar in 10 different languages. His brother Charles, who, who wrote some 6,500 hymns, and many of those hymns John translated from German into English. I mean, that's an amazing thing. But in his journals, it's interesting to me that, that, that he wrote when he got to be the age of 86, he wrote in his journal that he was upset, even angry, because he could, he could only read for 1,500 hours before his eyes started bothering him. Can you imagine that? After 15 minutes, my eyes are going, whoa, these hurt. When he was 86 years old, he was upset and wrote in his journal because he had to cut back to two sermons a day. He wrote, uh, he also wrote at 86 years old that he was upset because he had a tendency to sleep in later than what he was used to. It bothered him that he slept until 5.30 in the morning. That bothered him. I get bothered when I wake up at 5.30 in the morning and I can't go back to sleep. 
John Wesley had a passion in his heart because there was a calling on his life to share the good news of Jesus Christ. To see people make it to heaven and to grow in their walk with the Lord. And John Wesley kept going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny of the 1700s. Joshua, same type of guy, 110 years old, still going strong. So it really doesn't matter how old you are. God can still use you. Keep moving forward. I think it's worth mentioning that there are those that can be physically young, but spiritually old in the Lord and not being used by God anymore. They have a disease. They've con- contracted, I know it all, itis. You know, they think that they know it all, you know, you know. They're not really looking for God to teach them anything new or to use them in new ways. I mean, as a, as a new creature, a new a Christian, a young believer, you know, we don't mind carrying our Bibles. I mean, we want to come to church and hear all that God has for us and, and to be able to use by the Lord and, and we come Sunday morning and, and Wednesday night and all those studies. And, but then you get saved. And that's been five or six years and you pretty much know your whole Bible. You got it memorized backwards and forwards. And, you know, you've been sharing your faith for a long time and let someone else share their faith. And uh, what could that pastor guy teach us anyway? I know it all, you know. We can, you know, laugh at that, but to some extent that really does happen. You see, you have these, these young believers out there really witnessing with, with great zeal and great knowledge, uh, not with much knowledge, but great zeal. Then you have the, 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 those who have great knowledge, but no zeal. My point is, again, that, that uh, it doesn't matter how old you are, when we come together in a congregational setting, God is here to speak to our hearts, and there's so much ministry still left to be done. And this is the application we can draw from Joshua. He's 110 years old. He calls for the elders to get together, to give them a final word. And he tells them that. Still so much to be done. Keep moving forward. And he reminds them of all the success they've had in, in, uh, in the land of Canaan and how it's been due to the Lord's strength and not their own. And so they must continue to be obedient and continue to draw close to the Lord. And I can say the same thing. Amen to that. Any success that we have in the church, it's because of Jesus Christ what he's doing in this church and in this fellowship and how he has led us. But to see, before the people would be told what to do, they needed to be reminded of all that God has done for them. Look at verses 3 through 5. Joshua tells them, he says, You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. See, I've divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that have cut off as far as the great sea westward and the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised. I like this. Joshua says, consider what the Lord has done for you and know there's more he's going to do. He'll, he'll expel your enemies and you'll possess the land. I like that. The Lord will expel, but we're to possess. And that's the key. God will do his part, but we have to do our part. So we need to keep moving forward. It's been said, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Let me tell you, you know, it's not difficult for any one of us to find ourselves backsliding away from making progress with the Lord. I've always mentioned, always said that, you know, our Christian walk with the Lord is like climbing a grease pole. We can make, as long as we're moving, we're okay. But as soon as you stop, start sliding back down. See, this brings us to the next exhortation that Joshua wants to give us and these leaders. uh, And our point number two Keep in God's word. Look at verse 6. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law, lest you turn aside from it to the left hand, or rather to the right hand or to the left. 
So the first responsibility Joshua gave to the leaders of the nation was to be obedient to the word. Keep in the word. You know, Satan will try and convince you, oh, you're too tired or, or you're too old. you got something else to do. He'll tell you that you don't have to meet, you know, for Bible study. Don't spend any time in God's Word. Go do this. Go do that. You know, uh, you know don't listen you know, to this. Listen, make the study of the Word of God a priority in your life. That's what Joshua is encouraging his leaders to do. Spend time in the Word. It's interesting to me that Chapter 1, Joshua told the people the same thing. Before they were going even into the promised land, Joshua said, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book. And here he's reminding them the same thing. It's as if, it's as if, it's as if Joshua is saying, if there's one thing I can pass on to you before I die, one thing that you absolutely need to remember, it's this. Be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in God's word. Don't turn to the right hand or to the left. Maybe he's saying, well, come on, Tom, we know this stuff. This is something, it's basic stuff. Yeah, it's true. But why don't we do it like we should? So many times we don't find ourselves saturating our spiritual life with the Word of God. And what happens is that we fall easy prey to either the devil's schemes or our own fleshly lust. And we end up turning aside to the right or turning aside to the left. Joshua says, be careful. Listen, this book that we hold in our hands, this book that we have in our laps, it, 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 it's God's love letter to us. It expresses His heart. It tells us who He is, how He thinks, what He thinks. It's our playbook to tell us how we should live. It's a mirror that shows us what we are to be and, and what God is seeking to mold us into if we're willing to, to yield to the work of His work in our lives. It's a sword that equips us to fight and do battle against the enemy and the elements of this world system. It's a well of water that refreshes our spirit and sustains our soul. It's our calling to know it and to do it. Our lives are to revolve around the, the, the Word of God. The decisions we make in our lives, priorities, parenting, marriage, how we're to run our businesses, what we do for entertainment, all that needs to be filtered through the Word of God. That's why I, I like that Joshua says to be very courageous to keep and to do. Because it takes a little bit of courage to, in, in the times in which we live to live our lives according to the Word of God. Because we're going against the grain in this world. And the more society moves away from the principles of God's Word, the more that we who are living according to God's words are going to be considered as being radical, fanatical. Folks, the lines are being drawn. That brings us to point number three. Keep separate from the world. Look at verse 7. Unless you should go among these nations, these who remain among you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. So, Joshua here is saying, number one, we need to be staying in the Word of God, saturate our lights with God's Word. But then secondly, he says, don't associate with those nations that remain among you. Don't even mention the names of those false gods that they worship. In other words, don't be hanging out with those that are going to bring you down. Those that are going to pull you away from God's Word. We're, we're to stay separate from the world. How do we stay separate from the world? Well, you know, we don't have to watch TV. We really don't need to be on social media 24 hours a day. We don't have to hang out with the unsaved friends that are, that are going to bring you down. In fact, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15.32, evil company corrupts good habits. See, if some relationship is affecting you in an adverse way, then you need to go in the other direction. 
You need to put yourself around believers, around friends that are truly friends and encourage you to grow in the grace of Jesus rather than continue to stumble around and eventually fall. Jesus told us that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. The world can best be described as a, as a society apart from God, a, a society that doesn't recognize God. You know, the Bible says Satan is that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and, and he's preparing a plan to destroy you even as we speak. To attack us, that's a part of his plan, to get you so involved and caught up with the things of the world that you're no longer looking to the things of God. So Joshua says, separate yourself from those things. Because, listen, it's a lot easier to be pulled down than to pull them up. Let me tell you. You know, I, I tell my kids this all the time. And you stand on a chair and you try and pull someone up, they're going to pull you down pretty easily. So we need to separate ourselves from the world, stay in the Word. Then Joshua tells us we need to stay separated from this world. Then we need to look at verse 8. Hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. That word hold fast means stick to like glue. It's to trust God and depend on Him and no other resources. See, as the nation of Israel had content to contend with the influence of the Canaanite population around them, we also have to contend with the philosophies and the things that are around us today that undermine the Word of God. We need a, a biblical worldview, not the one that's being thrown at us constantly. We need to, what, what Paul says in Romans 12, to, to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do we renew our minds? It's through the Word of God. It's back to the Word. So we're faced with the decision. Are we going to be conformers to what the world is doing? Are we going to be transformers, allowing God to shape us? What uh, will decide that is by what we are clinging to, the Lord to this world. So Joshua says, be separate from the world, cling to the Lord. See, Joshua knew that the real danger wasn't when they first went into the promised land, they crossed over the river and, and, and was facing the unknown. The children of Israel held, held tight to the Lord during those times. They relied on the Lord for everything. The problem is now they were entering into rest and were enjoying the prosperity and, and the plenty. And Joshua recognized that this is where the real danger comes in. When you begin to kick back and take it easy, that's when the danger comes. I mean, when did David fall with Bathsheba? It says when David's men went out to war, David stayed back. We know the rest of the story. Listen, we must never let our guard down, no matter how long we've walked with the Lord. Hold fast to the Lord. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews 2.1, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we drift away. How do we do that? Our fourth point, final point, keep loving God. Look at verses 9-11. through 11. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations, but as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. Therefore, take carefully heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Joshua says, if you do this, if you shall hold fast to the Lord your God, you'll reap some pretty good benefits. But if you don't, you're going to reap some pretty horrible things. Now look at verse 12. Joshua adds a warning here. He says, or else. Do you ever get an or else when you were a kid? Yeah, my mom gave me or else's. Let me tell you, or else's were never good. You know, Tommy, you better stop or else. Never good. There's never, or else I'm going to give you some candy or else I'm going to give you something sweet. There's never. Here Joshua says, therefore take carefully to yourselves that you love the Lord your God or else, verse 12, 
If indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you, and make marriages with them, and go into them, and they to you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you, and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Behold, this day I'm going to the way of the earth, Joshua says, and you know in all your heart and in all your souls that not one good thing, one thing is failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All that come to pass for you, not one word of them has failed. I like this man, Joshua. He tells it like it is. He says, God has blessed you. God has fought for you. He's going to continue to be with you and he's got great things planned for you. But know this, he says, remember, he's talking to leaders here, to the elders. He says, know this, if you choose to go back, if you decide to pull away, there's going to be some very serious consequences that you're going to face. There's going to be problems. Now, there are a few problems to point out that Joshua describes, but first and foremost, we need to see that there's always that possibility of going back. There is. You think, well, how could that be? I mean, these people, they've seen the blessings of God. They've been in the promised land. I mean, which is a, a picture of the spirit-filled life. But here they are. They've been successful and fruitful and God has been with them. And Joshua is saying, listen, if you go back, you're going to have serious problems. See, that, that's a danger out there. Anyone is capable of falling no matter who you are. I remember years ago at a pastor's conference, some 800 men, 900 men there from all the different Calvary chapels, a pastor truck got up, stood behind the pulpit and said, some of you will not be here next year. Because of sin. And it just hit me. I thought, whoa, Lord, don't let that be me. I mean, if you would have told me last year this time that some that were here last year this time would not be here because of sin, I, I wouldn't have believed you. I mean, people that have been in ministry a very long time, you think, how could that be? But you realize it can be because we're involved in a war. And I said already, we're attacked constantly by a very real adversary, that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And this is something that we, as Joshua is reminding these leaders, could happen to any one of us. It doesn't matter if you're 28, 48, or 68 years old. We're not home free from this battle until we're home free with the Lord. We must never forget that. It doesn't matter how long you've walked with the Lord or how deep your love is for Him, how much knowledge you have about Him. This war is still going on. It's a real war. It started the day you switched sides. The day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, at that point, you became a target. It was on your back. And here Joshua was telling his leaders, men who are mature in the Lord, he says, hey, if you go back, it's not going to be good. Look at verse 13 again. He says, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out those nations from before you. In other words, he said, you're going to be defeated. Not only will you be defeated, but you're going to be discomforted. He goes on. But they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes. That's got to hurt. See, if I decide to go back and backslide, know this, it's not going to be fun. It's going to be painful. It'll be like thorns in your eyes and scourges in your side. Now, I read these words, thorns and scourges, and it reminds me of Jesus, who knew no sin. He became sin for us. He received the thorns in his eyes. No doubt the scourging he took on his back, the sword they thrust into his side. And we see Jesus on the cross. That's what sin does. It wasn't his sin that put him there. It was mine that put him there on the cross. It was your sin. It was our sin that, that, that caused him to have the scourges on his side and thorns in his eyes. And let me tell you, backsliding is still sin. And we need to be not those that are, are flirting with that idea. 
No, no one decides in one day that they're going to backslide. Yeah, I'm going to backslide today and ruin my family and turn away from everything that God has done. No. It begins in the realm of the mind. Start looking around going, hmm, this might be an option for me. Maybe I'll, I'll pull back. Maybe I'll go there. and Whatever the temptation might be. Know this. If you choose to go back, it's going to hurt you. There'll be no joy. There'll be no peace. In those things that you thought would bring satisfaction is only going to bring you grief. And Joshua, a type of Jesus in the Old Testament, loves us enough to say, listen, sin will, will bring scourges on your side and thorns in your eyes. In other words, it will bring heartache and pain. And again, we know that's what Jesus took on himself, that penalty for my sin on the cross. Listen, I don't want to lay one more sin on my Lord and Savior that he had to die for. I know we know this. But remember, Joshua was talking to his leaders here. And just as they, we all need to be reminded of these things. Sin is painful. It hurts. It brings destruction. It brings pain. No matter if you're one year old in the Lord or 110 years old in the Lord, as Joshua was. If you turn turn away and go back, you'll experience defeat. You'll experience discomfort. And in verse 16, you'll, you'll experience disgrace if you choose to go back. So he got all these warriors together, these men of God that have been called to walk in obedience, and he says in verse 11, therefore take careful heed to yourselves. Then he adds, that you love the Lord your God. In other words, that's the key. Keep on loving God. I think that's the most important lesson of all. Joshua knows that everything else will fall into place if our love for God is growing and developing for the Lord. That's why he started off his message and mentioned several times within his message what God has done for them. Because he knows that, that our love for God in its healthiest form is in response to his love for us. The more I understand how much he loves me, the more I understand his heart for me and his patience in my life and his sacrifice to bring me into his family, and most of all his love for me, that's going to cause me to love him more and more. It's just what John says in 1 John 4.19. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. And the more that my love grows and deepens in response to his love, the more I'm going to stay in his word. The more I'm going to want to be separate from the world, the more I'm going to want, want to have nothing to do with the world, and the more I'm going to find myself clinging to Him and loving Him more and more because I want to be near Him, longing for that intimacy. I realize in my heart that I can't live without Him. That's why Joshua says, take carefully heed to yourselves that you'll love the Lord your God. Finally, Joshua has some final words that he gave for a strong exhortation to turn with me over in your Bibles just to one chapter, to chapter 24. Joshua kind of ends his, his little uh, speech here, starting in verse 24. We're going to close with this and we're going to enter into a time of communion ourselves. Chapter 24, starting in verse 14. Joshua says, Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now here's the deal. Joshua's got all the guys together and he's given them this warning to keep moving forward, to keep in God's word, to keep separate from the world, to keep loving the Lord. Now he says, okay, as we move forward in these areas, as we settle down in these territories the Lord has given to us, I've got one big question for you. Whose God are you going to serve? Are you going to serve the false gods your forefathers served, the the gods of the Amorites and the the Jebusites and the Canaanites and the the Termites and and all those, those gods? 
Joshua wants to know. You know, it's one of those moments you see in the movies, you know, like, I think it's like, like Braveheart, you know, where, where the guys are all, they're standing in front and, and Joshua's either standing there and they're all standing there and they're all listening and, 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 and Joshua's, men, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Now for the moment, all the men are like, yeah, 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 we'll serve the Lord too. Look at verse 16. So the people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight, and preserved us in all the way that we went, and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. So these men are saying, yeah, we're going to serve the Lord too. You can almost hear them marching in the background. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching off to war. Yeah, we're going for it, Joshua. And they're all worked up. They're ready to go. But look at Joshua's response in verse 19. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. Then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after He has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves, that you've chosen the Lord for yourself to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, He said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. Busted. You see that? Oh yeah, we're going to do it. They're busted here. I mean, Joshua got all the people together and says, Okay, we're on the way to the promised land. You want to go? Yeah, let's go for it. You want to serve God? Yeah, we want to serve God. Joshua says, You can't serve God. Well, you know, why did you get all worked up? Well, why did we get so excited? I mean, everyone is all riled up, pumped up, raring to go, saying, yeah, we're ready to serve God. And Joshua says, no, you won't. And here's why. I mean, he says, I'm not going to have you stand before the river and say, yeah, we really want to serve God when you don't mean it. But if you're willing to go back home and trash all your foreign idols and trash your foreign gods, then I want you to go with me to the other side. But if you're not willing to give those things up, then all you're going to do is fill the, this promise land with compromise and that's the problem we had before. See, he's looking for those who are seriously willing to put the Lord first in everything. And to get rid of, of any sort of compromise in their lives. He doesn't want someone who says, yeah, we shall serve the Lord. And then on the other side, pick up the junk in their lives that was destroying them in the first place. And I want to close with this. The same thing is true for us. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ and we make that commitment to Him, it doesn't, He doesn't want us going back in the world and picking up that junk that we carried around with us before we were born again. Get rid of it. Leave it alone. Perhaps this morning you've been encouraged. You really want to do what is right. You want to keep moving forward. And you want to keep in God's Word and be separate from the world and keep loving God. But maybe there's a problem you have in your life. Maybe there's an idol you have in your home. Maybe it's, maybe it's a bottle of hard liquor in your cabinet at home you've been relying on instead of the Lord. Maybe it's some habit, some vice uh, that the Lord is saying, I know you want to live for me fully, but the stuff was holding you back. You're picking it up again. Maybe you're living with your girlfriend or boyfriend outside of marriage and you're saying, well, but we're going to get married. Listen, do it right. Move out. Remove those idols from your life so you can serve Jesus fully and faithfully and wholeheartedly. See, it's all about Jesus. Period. It's not Jesus and. You know, too many people want, want Jesus and to be able to live in, like the world. 
Joshua says, okay, if you really want to serve the Lord, then go back home and drop off your stuff. Listen, as we enter in a time of communion, you know, it's a time to drop off our stuff, if you would, at the foot of the cross. To go before the Lord and recognize and say, Lord, no more for 2018 will I give it into the passions of my flesh. But I want to move and walk and live in your spirit by your word, by the power of your spirit. Maybe you're here for the first time and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, communion is for believers to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. I encourage you to give your life to the Lord this morning. It starts with surrender, recognizing what Jesus has done for us. But more than that, maybe you are a believer and maybe you, know, you, you want these things in your life. We need to pray. We need to lay our sins down at the foot of the cross, receive that forgiveness, that cleansing, and be able to live for Jesus for 2018. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time this morning, for the encouragement that your word gives to us. Lord, of what you look at our lives at, Lord, and you see where we're at and we're, you see where we need to be. And Father, I pray for us as a church, Lord, that there's no hidden sins in our lives and in our hearts, Lord, that would prevent us from moving forward in our walks personally, Lord, or as a church. Lord, whatever sin that might be, maybe it's, maybe it's, a, uh, you know, maybe it's a, sin of, of a, a sin of a bad thought life, Lord. Maybe it's a, a sin of a wandering eye. Maybe it's a sin of, of greed. Maybe it's a sin of pride. Lord, whatever it is, we want to lay that stuff down at the foot of the cross. And find that forgiveness. Lord, we recognize that, Lord, when you were on that cross, you said, it is finished. Once and for all, the price was paid. So, Lord, as we come to communion, we examine our hearts, Lord. If there's anything in there that we need to deal with, show us, Lord, that we can just lay it at the cross. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.